First Timothy chapter 6. Father, let every ear be anointed to hear, every heart ready to receive. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going I'm to get a little interaction today. I want you to hold up your Bible. <clears throat> Brother, Brother um, John Osteen is the one that I first heard do this. And of course, his son, but to some people it could even be a ritual. But I, I believe something happens because you're exercising faith. Amen. Say this. This is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I boldly confess that I'll be taught the word of God today. My mind is alert. My mind is alert. My heart is ready to receive. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Never, never, never. That's right. First Timothy 6 and verse 12. The Bible reads, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Notice he says, fight the good fight of faith. Faith is always a good fight. Now notice he didn't say that there would be no struggle. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world. So we understand there is a, a wrestling going on, but it's not with people. Can you say amen? amen? There's unseen forces that will try to stop and hinder you from God's best in your life. And just like uh, Paul says here, fight the good fight of faith. The good fight is the one that you win. Can you say amen? amen? And so in life, there is a fight. But the, the faith fight is the only one we're called to. Some people read that verse and they started fighting one another. They started fighting with their husband and wife. But fight the good fight of faith. And so let me say this. If you're not in the faith fight, you're in the wrong one. And, and know this, there is going to be a fight. You just have to decide which one I'm going to be in. And if the devil can keep you in the realm of reason, then he'll win every time. What is the realm of reason? My mind and me just trying to reason everything out, figure everything out. If the enemy can keep you in that place, what am I going to do? You know, that's one of his favorite phrases. What are you going to do? Who's ever heard that phrase before? What are you going to do? That's not God speaking. That's the enemy. He say, what are you going to do? The bills are due. You need $1,000 by the end of the week. What are you going to do? You know, you, you have a physical thing going on in your body. What are you going to do? You know, a minister I, I heard say this one time. He said that the enemy was harassing him with those kind of thoughts one time. And he said, um, you see, people need to understand how to recognize the enemy. He doesn't just come up with a pitchfork and come up and say, I'm the devil. I'm going to take over. No, it comes through doubt, unbelief, and it's very subtle. 
One of Satan's greatest weapons is the weapon of suggestion. He just suggests something to you. Oh, you know, it's okay to eat that. You know, you're not going to die for God knows. What happened? She began to entertain that thought. And so this minister said that the enemy was just, just saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And after a while, he said, he said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He said, the Holy Ghost spoke up and said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't done it yet? He said, yeah. He said, you're acting all bad. He said, Mr. Devil, you know, is it because you're just being nice to me? He said, the reason he, he hasn't is because he can't. But he, he kept saying that about, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He spoke up and said, why don't you tell him that your, that your problems are nothing compared to his problems? <laughs> I mean, you think about it. I'm going to heaven. If I died right now, I'd just step out of my body. I'd go be with the Lord. Now, I'm not done yet. But I would rejoice. I'd be singing the praises of God. But not so with the devil. He's going to burn in a lake of fire, the Bible says. The Bible says, and that's what you ask him, what are you going to do? I read in the Bible, well, actually, before I get to that, we see that people are being born again every day. People are giving their lives to Jesus every day. What are you going to do? You're losing people every day. What are you going to do? And I read in the book of Revelation where there's a giant angel going to come down and, and put you in chains and throw you in the door and, and, and shut the door. What are you going to do? So your problems are nothing compared to his. Right, amen. amen. I'm saved. Worst case scenario, you, you die with sickness. They come and repossess your stuff. You're saved. Amen. Can, can, can someone just get excited about being saved and just the fact that, you know what? I once was lost, but now I am found. Amen. I know, I know what it's like to be lost. There's a hopelessness. Hallelujah. The just, the Bible says, shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. So the life that God's called us to, the life of faith, is not for the wimpy. It's not for anyone but the lion-hearted, the courageous. How many know Jesus was strong? Paul was a strong man of God. The apostles were strong men of God. Now we know Peter denied the Lord, but then he repented, he turned back. I mean, look at the difference between him and Judas. Judas failed. And who knows if he would have turned back. I know he betrayed the Lord. But, but he, re, he didn't repent. And the Bible says he went out and hanged himself. But Peter, who also denied the Lord, the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. He turned around and he became a stalwart man of God in the body of Christ. And so the apostles we see were strong in faith and courage. You know... It's, it's interesting how you see the world portrays them, um, like in a Western. You know, the, the preacher's the one, he's hiding up underneath the, um, the wagon, you know, and when the fight comes. But that's not the way a man of God is. A real man of God, a real Christian, they're a fighter. Amen. If you want to be and receive everything God has for you, you have to be a fighter. Everyone say a fighter. You have to fight for what's yours. 
Amen. I think I need to just walk on the front pews or something here today. Wake some people up. I don't know. It might, it might offend some people like when I stood on my Bible one time a few years ago. Someone got offended because I stood on the Bible. All I, all I said was, you know, you have to stand on God's word. Amen. I put it down and I said, you know, you have to stand on God's word. Amen. Amen. Put it. I mean, this thing's kind of worn out, so it doesn't really matter. But I want to speak to you today because many people, even here, feel like quitting. About giving up. What's the use? But I'm here to encourage you today. Do not quit. Help is on the way. And you know that help is actually on the inside of you right now? You know, the Bible says, hey, I don't have to go up to heaven to bring the word down. The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. So your deliverance is as far, as close as up underneath your nose. Amen. So I want to speak to you this morning about living life more than a conqueror. Living as more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. So you know, do you know that as a believer, it's not in your nature to quit? Brother Jerry Savelle, he said before he was in the ministry, he said he was a quitter. And if you know his story, he was a body man, you know, body repair and fixed vehicles. So he said he always kept his tools on the back of the, um, the tailgate. He'd keep the tailgate down in case things got a little hot under the, in the kitchen. He could just get out of there and take off. That's just the way he was. He said that was his nature was being a quitter. But when you're born again, Jesus comes the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, and you're not a quitter anymore. Hallelujah. And so we win again and again. I like what um, Pastor Kenneth Hagin Jr., he made this statement popular. He said, I cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. I cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. I think we all need to say that. I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. See, if you won't quit, even though it looks like you'll be defeated, you won't be defeated. All you have to do is stay in the ring. God's promised you to win. And I'm preaching this to Pastor Will just like anybody. Um, <laughs> now, it's kind of funny, some of the, um, the things sometimes you, you put on your phone or whatever, but I've got a little video on my phone of me, especially Liam. He really, you know, takes a kick out of it. But I was watching a service back in January, no, December. And um, as the minister's ministering, he's talking about some of the same things. He just started talking about just for a moment about not quitting. And he said, I want you to get your phone out in the service. And he said, I want you to look at it and make a video. So I've got a video on my phone. And uh, I just say, I will never quit in Jesus' name. And of course, Liam, he's a little comedian. If you see him trying to do it, he's like, I will never quit. You know, just, but you know, that's a good reminder to yourself. I will never quit. I will never quit. I want you to look over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
Let me just tell you this. If the enemy is pressuring you to quit, because he knows how close you are to the next victory. He is afraid. Let me tell you something. The enemy purports himself to be some big bad dude, you know, that he's the ultimate, that he's equal with God, but he's evil. But he's nothing. The Bible said he has been whipped, defeated, restricted. He's under my feet. You know, the Bible even tells us that in the end, when people see the enemy and see the devil for who he is, they're going to look at him and say, is this the one? Is this the one that, that, that caused the, the nations to tremble? Is this the one that caused people to fall? He's not what he's cracked himself up to be. And you know, here's the thing. What, what happens is you sow fear what's going to happen. You're going to reap fear. And so I believe the, the enemy, I mean, when he sees the body of Christ, he has to open new Tylenol factories in hell. I mean, he just, when he sees the body of Christ, that's his greatest threat. And I tell you what, it's a personal vendetta in my life to make him pay. Who's ever had pain caused in your life? Then, then make the devil pay for it. And you don't do it with, with flesh and blood. You do it in the spirit. You do it by getting people saved, by getting people healed. But 1 Corinthians 9, I want you to look at uh, verse 24. The Apostle Paul says, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It's just that you play hard. Well, why do we keep score? It does matter. Now, if, if someone loses, yes, it's important they learn characters. It's important they learn how to, to fight and to win. But we're running that we may obtain the prize. I'm not running in life just to get to the end and, and realize that I didn't make it. He says, every man that strives for the mastery is temperate on all things. You know, the, the guy that's running for the, the, uh, the race, or just, just look at the heavyweight champion, you know. Now, this will date back a few years to people that would know Evander Holyfield. You know, he's getting ready for a fight. And, um, you know, the one that Mike Tyson had his ears for breakfast that night, you know, chewed on his ear twice in the fight. He, um, so Evander, he's getting ready for this fight. And he wins. And then he says, hey, um, a couple months later, they say, hey, um, champ, uh, you're getting ready for the fight? He's like, yeah, yeah, the fight. And then, you know, a couple weeks goes by. He says, you know, there's something I should be doing right now. Uh, then he just goes and, you know, eats a couple more slices of pizza and, and has some Coke. And what's going to happen when it comes time? He's going to be defeated and defeated soundly. So he says, every man that strives for the mastery is temperate. You see, these guys are a bodybuilding. They, they're very strict with their diet. They're very meticulous about their working out. Why? They're doing it to obtain a corruptible crown. They're going for the Mr. Olympia. They're going for the, the, the marathon, 26.2 miles. He says, but we, an incorruptible. What does that mean? It's one that's not going to tarnish. Yes, sir. 
It's not one that's going to fade away. I mean, that, that Burger King thing we were talking about, you know, that, that crown's not going to last until you get it until the kids grab a hold of it. You know, it's made out of paper. The same thing, he says here, but we an incorruptible. So I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, but so fight I, not as one that beats the air. You know, if you're fighting as that boxer, you want to make sure that you're, you're not just beating the air. Why? Because you're taking a lot out of you and you're missing the mark. And what's going to happen is he's going to land his mark on you. So, you know, a lot of spiritual warfare is people beating the air. What they call spiritual warfare. And so he says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Paul knew that if he was going to win, he had to be disciplined in his life. And so you've heard this statement before, but quitters never win and winners never quit. So I want to give you four reasons not to quit this morning. Four reasons not to quit. Hallelujah. Just say it with a little gumption. Say, I will not quit. quit. Amen. You know, sometimes you have to look at yourself in the mirror. Now, I remember years ago, um, Pastor Roddy said he was in a place. And he said, actually, he was, he said, Lord, who's the devil that's causing this uh, in my finances? The Lord said, look in the mirror. He said, that's the one that's causing the trouble in your finances. Amen. That's a hard word, but, but that's, that's the truth. Why? Because the devil didn't, didn't um, put all that money on your credit card. Amen. But four reasons not to quit. Number one, look at Romans chapter 8. I believe many times in life you have to be your own best cheerleader. What did David do when, when he was in trouble? When he came back from, an, from a, um, you know, a victory and we see that he's with his men. And he sees that the Zig, Ziglag, the town of Ziglag had been burned. And, and the, the wives and children were taken away. The Bible says David... But then also it said the men that were faithful to him wanted to stone him. David, you got us into this mess. <laughs> we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. You know that Saul could have done the same thing to Paul in the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 25. It said at midnight they sang, they prayed and sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them. Silas could have said, you know, Paul, you sure missed God this time. Because, you know, if you wouldn't have missed God, we wouldn't be in this place. See, people try to judge the will of God by the external. You know, I definitely wouldn't have any resistance right now if it was the will of God. Because the will of God, you know, people think it's a scripture that I'm going to just float on flowery beds of ease. It's going to be like picking ripe cherries off a tree. I'm not going to have to do anything and and the devil's just going to leave me alone. In your dreams. (laughs) But notice this right here. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. It says this. 
Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me. See, I like to personalize that where it says separate us. He's not, none of these things shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. You know, when it comes down to it, when, when everything is against you, when, when, the, when the, you know, everything has, has fallen through and the chips are against you and just what's going to matter is God loves me. Lord, all these things have come against me. I mean, we'll see here in just a minute where Paul talked about being persecuted, but not forsaken. You know, yeah, I've been persecuted, but God hasn't let his hold off on me. I'm not forsaken. He still loves me. So verse 37, we are more than conquerors. So number one reason not to quit is I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Look back in verse 31 of the same chapter. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? <coughs> so number two, I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. I want you to um, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In the book of Acts, Paul said, he said, I'm going to a certain place, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except that there's bond and imprisonment. You know, wouldn't you start praying more about the, the will of God if you, if you knew that, hey, there's, there's um, handcuffs waiting for me. But he said, but none of these things move me. He went on to say this, neither count I my life dear to myself. Why? Because he knew his life was not his own. And if you want to be successful in the Christian life, you have to realize, you know, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. You're not re really ready to live. You know, the Bible says that through fear, people have been subject to bondage their whole life. So until you get ready to get over the fear of death, which actually is every fear is rooted in the fear of death. Why don't people like roller coasters? Why? Because it might tumble down and they'll die. Why do people not like to fly? Well, the, the airplane might fall or crash. Why do people not like tight spaces? Well, they might get squeezed to death and die. Everything is, is the fear of death. But once you get, delivered, you get delivered from that, then I'm not afraid to die. When you get delivered from that, then it's okay. Everything else, then you're ready to live. Because then you're not encumbered with that. You're ready to take life head on. But don't you look at 2 Corinthians 11, just some of the things that the Apostle Paul said happened in his life. Look at verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. 
in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. That's 39 times they hit him. Five different occasions. Three times was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned with rod. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. He's out there just treading water. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which comes upon me daily, the care of all the churches. But I believe that Paul, he would echo the same thing here. None of these things move me. None of these things move me. Amen. Look back, turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A fighting spirit. Second Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 9. Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. How I many you know just because that, that you're, you have trouble doesn't mean you have to be down about it? Trouble? Well, yeah. Paul, do you have any trouble? We have trouble on every side. We have trouble in the north, the south, the east, the west, the northeast, and the southwest. He says, persecuted but not forsaken. God's still with me. Cast down but not destroyed. One translation says this, knocked down but not knocked out. That's what I'm saying. If you'll just get back up, God guarantees that if you won't quit, you'll win. I don't care if you got blood on your mouth. You just wipe it away. Is that the best you got? And you get back up. And God guarantees that you're going to win. He says, cast down but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So you can be troubled on every side, but it doesn't have to get you down. Why? Because he wasn't going to quit. Jesus said that the disciple is not greater than his master. He said, if, if they've called the, the, the head man of the house Beelzebub, they're going to call you that too. We were never promised that everything was just going to be hunky-dory, that we just wouldn't have any. Everything's just going to be perfect, Pastor. And You know, no one's going to think any bad thoughts about me, and no one's going to say anything ugly about me, and well, if you're a follower of Jesus, people are going to say things. <clears throat> Revelation 2, you can just listen to this. Revelation 2 verse 11 says this. He that overcometh. See, there's a lot of promises to the one who overcomes in life. He shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, what is the, it, for those that... That sounds unfamiliar. That what is the second death? Well, the Bible talks about dying 
Actually, in the, in the, um, in the uh, Old Testament, talking to, to um, Adam, he said, when you sin, dying, you shall die. He didn't die physically, but he did spiritually. So the second death is when you are cast into the lake of fire in brimstone, the Bible says. So the Bible says, oh, the he that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. Now that's something to shout about right there. Revelation 3, verse 5. He that overcometh shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, you know, we don't really hear much about this as far as people teaching this. But, you know, the Bible says more about your name being blotted out than it does being written in the Lamb's book of life. So what we can tell from Scripture, and the best that I can tell from Scripture, is that your name is in the, in the book. But when you, at some point, do not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, <coughs> that name is blotted out. That's why the angels look for it. Why? Because it was once there, but it's been blotted out. He says, I'm not going to blot out your name out of the book of life. Amen. You know, I don't care about my name being in the Guinness Book of World Records, the who's who, but I want it to be in this one right here, the book of life. He says, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Amen. There's only one person I want to have an audience with. I want you to listen to what Revelation 3, 12 says. Him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Then verse 21 says this, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. <clears throat> to him that overcomes. Hallelujah. See, there's nothing in life that you want to forfeit for being on the other side with the Lord. There's nothing that you want to you know, whatever you sell out to, you lose in the end. So there's nothing that you want to, there's nothing on this earth. There's no temptation. You know, I like what one translation says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. One translation says this, there is no irresistible temptation. There is no temptation that you just had to say, well, you know, the money was too much and I had to take it. There is no money that says uh, they were too beautiful and I had to go be with them. There is no temptation that says um, I had to steal that. There is no temptation that's so great that's irresistible. No temptation is irresistible. What does that mean? I can say no. No, no, no. Why? Because God has something better for me. Hallelujah. 
And then number three, reason not to quit. I have more than enough. I have more than enough. Why? Because I serve El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. I shall never lack. <clears throat> God is my provider. Philippians 4.19 says this, But my God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory. So if I'm serving God, even if things look really dim, God promises that He's going to bring me out. So why would I want to quit right at the time of my breakthrough? Right at the time of my miracle? Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have plenty of want. Anyone besides Sharon? <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't stay in the valley. Well, you know, we're just in the valley. Well, don't stay there. He says, I'm going to walk through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the very presence of my enemies, Lord, you prepared a table. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Lord. And then number four, don't, don't miss this one. <clears throat> I am greater one indwelt. I am greater one indwelt. That's a good reason not to quit. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like the person that I heard years ago. They had lived in a really bad place in, in the um, inner city in New York. <clears throat> and they, they basically died of starvation and malnutrition. But when they examined the person, they had like a money belt around them that had $23,000 around their belt. Yet they lived in abject poverty. Why? Because they didn't know what belonged to them. They didn't know what was theirs. It's the same thing. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside. If you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He comes to live inside. Now we know there's another experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit where He comes upon us. The Bible says, and you shall speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. That's another level, but suffice it to say, if you are filled or not filled with the Holy Spirit, He's still on the inside. <clears throat> he came to live, and you know, He didn't come to leave. He's not a spiritual hitchhiker. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to take the Holy Spirit for a little bit, and then He leaves, and He goes away. And... But He said, he, I'm going to be with you forever, even until the end of the age. So, so the Holy Spirit never leaves. Even when you sin, He doesn't leave. That's why you always want to confess your sin, get rid of it. You know, the Bible says of David, He says, wash me from my sin, wash me from my iniquity. And He said, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Why? Because He realized that was the most precious thing in life. 
If he ever left, he, he's never coming back. But thank God he's, he's with us and he's with us forever. <clears throat> Look at 1 John 4 in verse 4. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, if you read the first three verses, what's he talking about? He's talking about the evil spirits in the world. And what he says is this, you're of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Talking about those evil spirits. <clears throat> Why have you overcome them? Is it because you have a great prayer life? Is it because you look pretty? Is it because, you know, you speak in tongues? Because greater, <laughs> greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because greater, now who, who is, who's the greater one that's in you? Jesus, the Holy Ghost. Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. Now, who's in the world? The devil. Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. <clears throat> greater is he that is within me. That's why great men of God said things like this. I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Now, physically, that's not possible. You would just burst, you know, your spirit would burst out of your body. But what he's saying is, on the inside, think about this. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, when, when Jesus dealt with uh, all those spirits, he cast them out to the swine. 2,000 demons were indwelling one man. So if, if 2,000 demons could indwell one man, how much more can the Holy Spirit indwell us? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> so being, in, being greater one and dwell, because greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. And I want you to turn to this last one because you've you got to see this. I hate the devil. <clears throat> I said I hate the devil. Well, brother, you're not supposed to hate. You're not supposed to hate people. But you should have a fervent dislike for the devil and what he does to people. If you don't have a, a fervent hatred, you just haven't seen him. How he can twist people and twist their limbs and twist their mind and twist their bodies. <clears throat> He's relentless. And that's why I'm not going to cry when he gets his. Amen. I believe the Lord's going to let us see it. I don't think it's going to be hidden. Amen. I've never thought that before, but I believe it's going to be an, an open, just like the Bible says that, that Jesus put the devil to open contempt. Uh, the, the King James says he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. It wasn't something that was hidden and done in a corner. You know, we don't do things in a corner. If you like the power of God, just meet me behind the piano after the service and we'll just pray for you. You know, if you, if you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we'll take you back there and in the office back there and just be really quiet. No, Satan was put to an open shame. And I believe we're going to see him put in the lake of fire. Thrown and cast where he'll be forever and ever. Now, that's not made for people. That's made for the devil and his angels. But I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 6. 
Verse 14, it says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? So notice he calls the believer righteousness. He calls the unbeliever righteousness, unrighteousness. And what communion hath light with darkness? The believers call light. The unbelievers call darkness. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Notice the church is called Christ. We're the body of Christ. And the unbeliever is called Belial. Or what part that hath he that believeth with an infidel? I'm a believer. You know, sometimes you just have to say that to yourself. I'm a believer and I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. It's my nature to believe. You know, when people say, well, I can't believe that. You don't, it's not that you can't, you choose not to. Well, I can't believe that God would do that. No, you choose not to. You can believe anything because you're a believer. It's in your nature to believe. It's in your, your nature to believe and to receive. But notice he says here, Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Say that. I am the temple of the living God. As God hath said, what did God say? I will dwell in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, what does the Lord tell us? He says, come out from among them. What is he talking about? He's talking about from the ungodly world. Be separate. Saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So that's why when we have light, when we're born again, the places I used to go, I don't go anymore. Not because I'm better than anyone else, but because I'll just give you, you could take any instance. You know, how many know when you go to a liquor store, it says wine and spirits? Both of those are correct. There's wine there and there's spirits there. And so here, the reason why we don't go certain places, well, as a believer, I don't have to. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be drunk on the Holy Ghost. And if that's not real to you, it can be. You be filled up with Him. Don't be filled up, He said, which is debauchery. And so... We drink of another spirit now. But the reason we don't go in places is because what happens is you begin to fellowship with those spirits that are there. And especially when you've been delivered, there's certain places you don't want to go back to. Why? Because you get delivered and then 7 o'clock on um, Saturday night, honk, honk. Hey, remember me? You know, we used to party together. I'm talking about those the, the spirits show back up at your house. And they say, hey, let's go. Let's do this. Let's do that. But the Bible says crucify the old man. 
Let the old man keep under your body. Bring it into subjection. So what you have to do is you have to keep that, that old man crucified. That's why the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but, the, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. And so the enemy, he'll always try to come back. But he says, for you are the temple of the living God. I will dwell in them. I'll walk in them. That means I'm, I'm wall to wall, Holy Ghost. Who's ever seen a, a sign that says no vacancy? Well, I, there's a sign right here on my spirit that says no vacancy. I'm wall to wall, Holy Ghost. I'm f- now, this might not be good English, but I'm full up. I'm filled up. Amen. I'm filled up. There's no room for demons. There's no room for depression. There's no room for the things of the world. Why? Because I'm filled to overflowing. Filled. Amen. That's why you, the Bible encourages us to be constantly filled. Why? Because when you go out of these doors today, there's going to be a pull that tries to, to pull you back. That's why the Bible tells us, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Why? Because the world wants you to be just like them. You know, it's just like a crab that tries to crawl out of a, a, a bowl in a dish. What happens when those other crabs see it getting almost out? Whoop, pull it right back down. Why? You're, you're not getting out of here. And that's the way some people can be. They don't want you to be different. Why? Because it shows up in their life where they're at. Can you say amen? amen. So don't quit. Why? Because I'm a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I have more than enough in the greater one that dwells me. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word today, and we thank you for your people. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing in this place. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're, we'll be done in just a moment. I ask you just to remain seated. <clears throat> but we talked about not quitting. You know, there's a... In the life of the believer, there's, a, there's a, a pull, just like in the unsaved world, to quit. But when Jesus Christ comes to live on the inside, that's what makes the difference. So if you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, I never, have never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But today, I want to know for sure. I want to know for sure that my name will stay in the book. That, that, that I'm going to go to heaven. Friend, let me ask you, if, if this was your last day on earth, where would you spend eternity? The Bible says there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid the price that we could be free. Or secondly, if you're in this place and you say, I once walked with the Lord and I know the joy of, of walking with Him. But I went away from Him into the practice of sin and wrongdoing. But today, I want to come back to Him. Just like the prodigal son of old, the Bible says that he went back to his father. His father met him and put the ring on his finger. Put the robe around him. Put the shoes back on his feet. Today, it can not only be like it was, but it can be even better. 
And thirdly, if you're in this place and you say, I'm not sure of my salvation, but I want to know for sure. I love the Lord with all my heart, but I want to make sure. With no one looking around, if that's you on any three of those, for the first time, or you want to come back, or you just want to make sure, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I see that hand. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Hallelujah. Today is the day. We never want to put off to tomorrow what we need to do today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So if you raise your hand on any of those, or if you should have, but you didn't, and you say, I want prayer regarding those things, then I want you to just stand to your feet and just come up. We want to pray with you and for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Bible says that we know those that labor among you. And the Bible talks about how we have to give an account, you know, for our life. But as a, as a pastor, we give account that we were faithful with the word, that we taught people, and faithful with the, the spiritual lambs that came through here. Amen. So if you've never prayed that, I'll, we're just we're going to all pray. And if you've never prayed this, this is the first time. The Bible says that you shall be saved. So I want everyone to say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, to die for me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me that you were raised from the dead for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Let me never be the same. I turn my back on the world and I turn my back on sin. And I'll follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.